Danny Wright. We are Color Scheme. The most dynamic mother and son pair. Talking on topics like entrepreneurship, personal development, being your personal best, navigating corporate America, you name it. We got you. So join us, listen to these episodes. We got something for everybody. This is the best podcast out. If you listen to it, you will win. We are back. Boom. (laughs) Boom. We're here. We're back. We are. We're present. And yes. we were just going back and forth about a bunch of different topics and yeah. how we how we kind of make this happen about yeah. this episode specifically. I think that yeah. there's a lot going on right now um, in, in our country that, that needs our attention. Yeah, I um, agree. I mean, I, I think, the, you know, there are a lot of just trending topics that are big that I know people want us to discuss. But one of the biggest right now is diversity and inclusion. Yep. What's happening um, and businesses, and, and not just from a corporate perspective, but just what does diversity inclusion mean? Because it, it's not new. It's been talked about for many years, but it's been talked about a lot now. So why, why we is that? We need to talk about why. Well, yeah, why is that? Why well, is it such a hot topic now? You know, for, for one, the, the protests, yep. the, the injustice, how loud it's become. Loud meaning not just black people talking about it, white people talking about it, other races talking about it, businesses being uh, propelled to do something. It's been thrown something. in your face to the point where you can't do anything. You either support it you gotta or something. If, you you're, if, you're, if you're some people, you know, you, you, act like it, <laughs> you act like it's a facade. It either becomes very silent mm-hmm. or very loud. Yeah. Loud as in a business responding you know, to, to their employees, to responding by putting out you know, press about it or dead silence, which becomes very obvious. So everybody's saying something about it. Everybody's doing something about it. Even the people that are ignoring it are doing is, something about it. You know, I've, I've struggled with, with thinking about or figuring out what does this mean for our country in, in the future? Because race relations and civic engagement is is are two things that companies can't you can't run away from it now right you can't stay silent you have to address it like and everyone wants to know what side are you on in the in on the issue you cannot run away from it no matter how big or small your company is and so you know when i think about you know the global economy there's so many countries that are you know that that are able to suppress you know, the voices of their people, but that's not the case here. Yeah. Right. Because and this is a democracy, you know, by, it's a, it's a democracy. I mean, we call I mean, a lot democracy, yeah, but. Yeah, but, which means that people have uh, the right to vote. They yeah. have the right to speak. They have freedom of speech. Now, we know that means different things, you know, around the neighborhood and mm-hmm. around, you know, the country itself, but that's what a democracy means. So, just by that, that makes it so that businesses, people, organizations have to respond and do something. You can't just ignore some of these big issues that are happening. And they're so. and they're they're ever present now more than, than they ever have been. Yeah. And so corporations need to, to do something. Yeah. And they have to do something. And so, you know, when we think about diversity and inclusion and, and the way it's I mean, it's been a movement for, you know, the past ten years yeah, now. Long time. Right? But it's it's different. It looks different. You know, yeah. when we talk about why we why we came with the topic of color scheme, because business looks different in a right. bunch of different colors. Yep. Right. And when we look at diversity and inclusion, it's the same. Yep. Right. Because, you know, at, at one point in time, the civil rights movement was a black movement. Right. right? And then right. and then and then, you know, you begin to have so many other movements that kind of have encompassed 
uh, the, the, the civil rights movement now encompasses. Yep. You know, when we look at diversity yep. and inclusion, it's not just a black thing. No, right? it's, it's not. a women's it's thing. Not. It's a it's a LBGTQ right. um, rights thing. But when we talk about black people specifically and the way that looks in, in corporations, they just companies just still aren't getting it right. No, they're not. They're not. And I think the thing of the past when it came to diversity and inclusion was hire a chief diversity officer, uh, make sure they're black, uh, make sure they have some training and get them to come in, give them a budget, give them some tasking and tell them that they need to help us do something organizationally to, to restructure the diversity problems and what they mean. They haven't identified exactly what the problems are, but they hire a, a head of diversity to fix them and to figure out what those things are. But so, so how does a white, so how does a firm that's predominantly white leadership, white male leadership, board or other, right, executive level, whichever, how do you identify a problem? Like you just said, right. they, they haven't identified the problems yet, right? But they just say, oh, I'm going to hire a chief diversity officer as their solution right. to the problems. But if they don't know any better, how do they, how do, how do you how identify do you start, the problem? Yeah. I think you start looking at your programming. What have you, what systems have you had in place to date? So if, if you are a white male dominated company, that wants to do something about diversity and understands that diversity means hiring people and bringing people in that are from all different walks of life, bringing in minorities too, bringing in people from different disciplines, um, different socioeconomic backgrounds and, and all of that. If you understand that that's what it means, then you look around and you see what systems you have in place that have prevented that from happening. That's where you start. I, wanna, I want us to jump into what we've been doing at when which is a firm you launched a couple months ago, yeah, right? Yeah. To do consulting and then specifically a lot of work also around diversity and inclusion. Right. And because of your background in cyber, yeah. taking that, that aspect of risk assessments and now being able to apply right. it to how organizations look at their diversity issues and yep. their inclusivity, we've been doing risk assessments yeah. for, for firms. Yeah. And what, so. Explain a little yeah, bit more about, about what we've been so, doing. So let me let me talk about the cyber perspective on risk assessments and what that what that actually means. When an organization and then how do we apply that to absolutely? So if an organization has uh, a number of weaknesses, known or unknown, one of the things that they want to understand is how vulnerable they are across their infrastructure, how vulnerable they are uh, across their computing uh, systems and environments. So that includes people, processes, and technology. Yep. So assessing all of those to determine where your, your sources of weaknesses are. And then prioritizing those, understanding where uh, you, you need to focus your attention on first and attacking that problem. So I look at organizational assessments that very same way, understanding where people are within an organization that may have duplicative roles, uh, duplicative duties, um, you know, where you might need different funding and resources, where your weaker programs are, where your strengths are in your organization, and assessing that to understand how to make yourself a, a stronger position company. The same is true when it comes to diversity and inclusion. Absolutely. So if you are an organization that wants to understand, one, where's the source of your problem? You assess your organization based on benchmarks, like based any, on best practices, based on like what any you other, are, Like you would do with anything else. Yep, and it's, it's, it's so unfortunate that companies don't know that. They don't, they yeah. don't know that they should be assessing their, their yeah. inclusivity issues. Yeah. And their, their so what they're doing right now, which is, you know, I, you know, I think a lot of companies are just reactive. Yep. We need to do something. So how many black people do we have on staff? How many black leaders do we have? They're starting to look at their numbers and they're focusing on people, how many people, 
uh, how many leadership jobs, things like that. You got to dig deeper. What what are your what are your re- re- retention rates? What do they actually look like? How do you actually not just retain talent, but how do you attract talent? Where do you go to attract talent? How are your hiring processes being articulated in a way that gives people a sense of, oh, that I can apply for that job and actually, you know, have an interview and actually get it. Dig deeper into your human capital processes, you know, understanding what they look like from hiring all the way to when people decide to leave, whether it be for retirement or for other jobs. Look at those percentages across the board. And, and a lot of organizations have leadership programs in place. So they have true management, uh, career facing leadership programs that they have in place. Look at the strategies that you have and how you've actually helped support people moving from one level to the next, help support people moving from one position to the next. You have to look at your end to end approach and how you hire people, what happens while they're there and what happens when they leave from the end to end strategy through your human capital. So that's one way, one way to to attack it. But what I know organizations are doing right now, because I'm watching the news, I'm reading the papers, organizations are just completely reacted to how many black people do they have on staff and that's like the go-to that's the go-to that is the go-to i have and 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 it's not i'm not trying to just kind of diss or 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 say that the you know hiring a chief diversity officer that that's black is bad what i what i think that shows though is um you're you're asking a black person to come in to lead a part of the organization to uncover the problems of the organizations that they didn't create it's like having, uh, you know, a, a, an environment where you have a population of black people, but you're policing it completely by white officers. Now, I'm not saying that just the race, you know, the, the race itself is, is going to be, you know, sort of mismatched, but you have to look a little deeper. Yeah. You're asking someone to come in and fix a problem that they have been impacted by. So maybe what you need is the expertise. Of, of that person or that the expertise of a company like when to come in and say this is how you dissect and attack your problem but the face of the organization needs to be the leader of the organization so if the CEO is is an older white man and he's been supporting some of the programming that has been in place for for many years maybe he and and his his colleagues his peers his leaders his staff need to kind of reshape how they've been perpetuating that problem. Don't just bring in a black face to say, oh, now we get it. We hired somebody black and they're the one leader that we have on our website. So we've done something. That's no, that's not the right approach. And another problem with that, with that entire approach of, of hiring a black person to be the chief diversity officer or to be, um, you know, the HR director, it's, it's as if you're, you're giving, you're trying to give a black person a seat at the table for, um, a position that a white person should be in, right? Like if- And a problem that's so deep rooted that uh, that black person historically has not created. Yeah, exactly. And to be completely frank, if your organization's run by all white people, white males, white women, what have you, and then all of a sudden you, I think I got something on my lip, and then all of a sudden you hire this black person there to be at the table, doesn't all of a sudden mean now all of a sudden you're gonna to listen to them no. or they have the autonomy exactly. and the power well, to make real exactly. change. And so the systems that you've had in place, they are they will likely, I'm not gonna say always, but they will likely be impacted by those too. Because one, if you haven't had someone in that position before to really 
assess the problem, to really put programming in place to make it better, that's new budget money. Do they have a budget now? And and it's likely that their budget was some, you know, kind of side money. And we've seen that. I mean, so I've read I've read so many forums and I've talked to so many, you know, black speakers, black influencers that have been brought in to do a panel on diversity and inclusion or have been brought in for Minimal a special cash. For Minimal a special money. event, Minimal you know, in a, in a Fortune 500 yes, corporation, minimal. and the budget for diversity and inclusion or for, you know, black programming is, is super small right. compared exactly. to what they would do for a traditional conference right. or a so traditional then they have panel. they fight every year to get an increase on that cash flow, on that funding, on that funding mechanism. So you've already started them here. When your other leaders are here with how much money they've already had for their program. You put them so at now, the bottom so of the hill they have to do this every and they year. have a bag full exactly. of the systems you already have climbing exactly. up the hill. That's like, exactly. Uh, That's the uh, visual. And they don't get it. That's and no visual. one gets it. No one gets it. That is the visual. That is exactly what it is. So how powerful would it be to start from the top to have that CEO say no more? Like I recognize that we have been going about this all wrong. We have a lot of work that we need to do. We're going to acquire this firm or we're going to acquire or we're going to make sure we have leadership in place to do this. But actually explaining that out, this is the path we we, we messed up like we didn't know that we were as flawed as we as we are. Now we're going to take some steps to get better and we're going to inform our, our stakeholders, our employees along the way on all the things that we're going to do to get better. So I think that, you know, oftentimes what I at least what I see in these corporations is they hire the the chief diversity officer and they say go make this better but they're not actually taking a stance and making a position to say we are not going to tolerate this anymore the, the the employees need to hear from them they need to hear from the leader that leader that's been in place all that time and say you know what i need to think differently and i need to to run this organization differently because a lot of what you need to do from an organizational assessment perspective on diversity is figure out where those biases are Figure out where they are. You need to understand and uncover those systems that you have in place. What better way to do that than to start from the top and say, we're going we're gonna to start uncovering this stuff and, and get it right. Like and, We're going to go through a path and one of the to, most, to get there. The most, the most disturbing components of that is you, know, you have these, these white leaders sitting at the helm of their organizations struggling to do exactly what you just said because they're sinking in their privilege. They don't have to. They don't have to. They don't have to. They don't have to. And they haven't had to. And now their their way of life is disrupted because of, of how loud, you know, racial and I, I I use the word loud because I'm I'm saying it in the context of media coverage, protests, just people being vocal about it. You can't run from it, just like you said at the beginning. You can't run from it. So now they're like, okay. And it's it's this, I gotta do it's, something. It's discomforting for them, but what they fail to realize is black people have been discomforted our entire lives. Every Forever. single step of us trying to get a job, get an internship, climb the ladder, speak to a supervisor, yep. um, you know, converse with coworkers about yep. these, these issues, we actually have to suppress them. Yep. We have to throw them to the yep. side. We have to act like they don't exist so that we don't make white people feel uncomfortable with yep. us in the office. And so we don't and so we don't feel like we're being penalized yeah. in some way whether it be performance or career progression. You know, I think a lot of times black people are silent because they are afraid of what the outcome will be of of saying something. So especially when they're the minority in the company. 
who do they talk to? Who, who's going to listen? You know, I think historically it's been, you know, if I, if I say something, it's just me saying something. Because they've had, and I think the image has been that their peer group, who oftentimes might be white, are not going to care. So what I think... Well, they don't get it. And because, either, and because they don't get it... don't get it. Because they don't get it, And it sometimes not getting side. it appears to be uh, not caring. Yeah. So I think one of the things that's largely different now, and I think historically, you know, this, this fight hasn't just been uh, black people's fight. There have been a number of, of, of white people, male and female, that I know have been in the fight too. But now... When you look outside and you look at the protests, the protests are not just a sea of black people. There are plenty of white people that are speaking up too and speaking up organizationally. So I think one of the things that's making these leaders uncomfortable in these corporations is they can't just, you know, honestly, frankly, in the past, I think it's been, okay, I know that's a problem for black people, but, you know, my majority of people, they aren't black. I'm, I can still keep my, keep my business running. I can still go forward. But they're hearing it from... They're white employees. They're hearing it from their white managers. They're not just hearing it from black people anymore. It's not just black people that are, you know, quietly uncomfortable. White people are very uncomfortable about it, too. So organizations, I think, are looking at it a little differently now. Like, wait, I can't just ignore the problem that has existed by some of my white staff. I mean, some of my black staff, some, a, a lot of my white staff are also uncomfortable too. And that's, saying that's, something that's, about it. that's so important because, you know, the most compelling argument to any movement is it being led or championed, I should say, instead of led by an ally that isn't directly impacted by it. Right. And that's what's needed that when we look at so race relations and diversity and inclusion and, and corporations in general in America, right? Because what we're, what's missing is honestly for white people to, to help racism and help dismantle it, it takes them losing a piece of their own privilege. Right. Right, like, which yeah. is uncomfortable. That's like me saying, okay, I have this really nice apartment. Um, in order for me to ensure that a few other people can live in a nice apartment too, I actually have to give this nice apartment up and get a and and and, and get a, a lower quality right. one so someone else can <laughs> so someone else can live in this right. one. Right, right, and that's like, hmm, because yeah. it's been unfair for them for so long, and that makes you question. That makes that would make any human or any person question. Yeah you know, right or wrong, but when it comes to diversity and inclusion, and, you know, I've, I've experienced this as well, sitting on different councils for, you know, different initiatives or different organizations or institutions that, um, or governing bodies that are trying to do more. And what you realize is, you know, even though problems are there in one's face, if you don't do the groundwork to actually learn why that problem persists, yeah. it being in your face isn't enough. And that's another issue that we're seeing in corporations and, and in corporate leadership. We're seeing executives, you know, see the problems that are in front of them with, you know, diversity and inclusion and, and the um, lack of integration of, of minorities and people of color. Yeah. But because they aren't impacted by it, just because they see it or they hear it, doesn't mean that they'll get it. Right. Doesn't mean they'll know how to respond to it. Doesn't mean that they'll, you know, begin to create systems and, and hiring practices that then, you know, uh, respond to it in an effective yeah. way. Instead, 
what they do is, what can I do to appease everyone? What can right. I do to right. shut everyone up, yep. essentially? Yep. And I they don't take the time the to actually learn about it yeah. on their own. Yep, I think that's been the way. Or one of the one another major issue I've seen is, you know, so there's so many social movements, you know, going on that we kind of just mesh them all together. Right. And it's not the same. Meshing all these social movements together isn't the same for creating black equal, equality right. for black people, especially in the workplace. You know, um, our country has not even decades, I was about to say decades, but centuries, you know, of historical trauma of yep. disenfranchising black people. Like, that's something that needs to be addressed. Yeah, it does. It does. And I think that, you know, when we, when we think about the corporate structure and, um, and, and look at, you know, kind of what the, if you look at the leadership and kind of go down, leadership level, management level, and the worker level, and you look, how pro, you look at how prominent the worker level, when there are organizations that do have black people and have minorities, they, a lot of times you see them at the lower level or that middle tier. And, you know, as a, as a black person who's worked in a number of corporations, it's difficult to try to navigate and figure out how do you get to that next level. And you see programs being created for your white counterparts and your white, or you see jobs being created for your white counterparts and your white peers. And when you do speak up and say something, I think sometimes when you think about that trauma, that generational trauma, it's like, wh why can't you figure it out? Well, I can't, I I'm trying to figure it out, but you get a hand. You get a hand that helps pull you up and move you to the next level, and I have to try to figure it out. I have to try to figure out how to navigate this by myself and, and overcome these biases that are in place and these systems that were not designed for me to be successful. So, so black people oftentimes are in these organizations struggling and trying to figure out how to get to the next, how to get to the next step and get to the next level. And, and so I want to, I want to take it a little bit deeper because one of the things that, that I realized with a lot of podcasts, but we're not going to do this at color scheme, a lot of podcasts don't get into the weeds in that because they want to be a little more politically correct. Right. And again, going back to, you know, that comment you just made about white people having a hand that can pull them up versus black people right. not having the same, you know, very often white people, you know, may say that slavery was centuries ago, right. so it's, it's not relevant um, now so or relevant to them. Issues, right. There shouldn't right. be issues, right? But when we look at the historical timeline um, of America, black people were enslaved for a couple of centuries, right? Yeah. About two Two and a half yep. centuries, yep. right? We were freed in the 1800s. And then after we were freed in the 1800s, we, had, we already had no education. Yeah. We had no property, no money, no one. Nothing in place. Nothing. And nothing no help. And no help. And yeah. so it was like, here you go. Okay, you want to freedom? Free. Here you go. Right. Oh, we don't know anything. Okay, come back and work for us for right. pennies right. on a dollar, right? Yep. And then when we looked into... When we look towards the 1900s, 20th century, we then see that black people didn't get a right to vote until, you know, the 50s. We didn't get, um, we, our schools were segregated. Yep. So we have not had help for yep. three and a half centuries. Yep. And when we look at 
our country, yeah, everyone's happy because we have a couple of black CEOs, because we got a couple of people that, uh, uh, black people that own VC, VC firms right. and television stations, and we have all these black celebrities because we've, we've idolized um, hip-hop, yep. right? But yep. when we look at the grand scheme of things, black people, we really haven't been free more than all of 30 years. Right. All right. of 30 years, we really want to talk about yeah, yeah. us as a people having freedoms, having rights, having the opportunity to be educated, having the opportunity to... to, to skip, Having to, freedoms that equate to equality. Exactly. Yeah. Versus white people in our country having those freedoms since the founding fathers right. stepped foot on this country. Right. Right. And when we look at why black people don't have you know, as much help in, in the, the workplace, well, a lot of, a lot of, for generations, a lot of black right. parents haven't had skilled or career yeah. jobs. Yep. yep. To so teach a us lot those of times things. Just, like even for me, I'm the first in my generation to get to the executive ranks in the government and, and to get to a place of... Uh, in your family? Yeah, in my family. Yeah. To get to a place of senior leadership. I, I remember um, my I have aunt, a friend. I have a friend that's moving... This, this moving out of his, his place the other day, he was like, literally said to me like a week or so ago, it was like, it's not fair. You know, COVID has positioned everyone in the world where you have all of these white, all of, all of these white young professionals, my, my, my white friends, they all can go home yeah. and, you know, live with their family, live with their parents. I got nowhere to go. Like, I still got to figure out how to pay my rent, yeah. to pay my bills. I got no, nobody at home or a family I can go to. Like, I'm just trying to figure it out. There's nowhere for me to go Sounds to live like where you got all of these, you yeah. know, younger white folks that can go home to their yeah. parents' house because of whether they're, they're, they're in college, their 20s, or their 30s. I know a couple of people in their 30s that are still going home, you know, and like, this is quarantine is stupid. Why would I live by myself in this right. random city? I might as well go home to my family's house in the suburbs somewhere and be cool and work, and work from there. And they're stacking up money, right? And that's how they build residual wealth. Yep. Yeah. But when we look at black people, that's not the same. And, you know, so we many people, you know, ask questions about why that's not the case. Only really 30 years of real freedom. Only about 30 years. Yeah. And even yeah. in these past 30 years, we're still seeing the effects of, of generational trauma. And so one of the things about just that truth, when we talk about diversity and inclusion programs, and, and doing those organizational assessments to kind of uncover where bias is, one of the things that they must do, they must know, are things like that. How can you think that black people can be on the same, you know, an even playing field when there, has been, there hasn't been a complete picture of equality for black people? I mean, it still isn't. It still isn't, hasn't been, but it's been, it's been, it's been uh, set up in pieces. You know, the right to vote, you know, to have all these different rights and systems that have been, um, that we've had to fight for, just like you said, in the past several years, actually uncovering that, actually putting that very vividly in someone's face in an organization so that they understand that the person to your right has had these things set up, not for their success, for them to fail, for them to not achieve, for them to stay in a, in a state where you look at them like they're an underachiever. But this is what the system looks like. It looks like what you just said. So actually having those things in place 
and and having those like that's where you get the gritty raw like that's where you really put it in in these organizations faces where they can actually see this is what it looks like it looks just like this so if you don't uncover that if you don't say it that way if you don't put it in their faces in that way then they keep they're going to keep saying well, i don't know you have the same opportunity i have like we're and the too same yeah kind of and too like, often and too often when people think about opportunity we just think about oh can you get a job? Yes or no? Can you get... Not just that. Can you apply? Well, you can apply. Yeah. It's on the website. You can do the same thing I can do. Yeah. It is not that simple. It is not that simple. And it damn sure isn't an excuse. It's the reality. It's really what's happening. And so I think a part of diversity and, and really thinking through what uh, inclusion looks like, you have to peel back those layers. You have to shine a light on things like that so that people that don't look like us understand this is what the journey looks like. This is why, you know, you have to, if you, if you want to change the culture and you want to change what diversity and inclusion looks like in your company, you have to set up systems and programs to help people, to help people actually be on an even playing field. Because it's, it's, just, it's just not true that it's that, it's that way today. It's not. But it, it, also, it comes back down to you can want to have these things change in your organization and it may look sexy to be a part of this movement or to throw your <laughs> to throw your brand right you know right. on on one of these movements but like anything else it takes work yeah it takes a and, lot of work and it's and commitment and it's unfortunate because a lot of companies don't want to put in the work no they don't they don't they don't but I, like i like i said you know, these companies um, either, you know, most of them have, I don't know too many companies that absolutely don't, especially large corporations that absolutely don't have any black people. Black people are a little over 13% of the population. We're talking about over 40 million people. 40 million people. I mean, we're still, you know, that's still a small snip in the bucket when you think about, you know, how, how you know, prominent uh, white people are in this country. But you're gonna ignore 40 million people, 40 million people? That's a lot of people to continue to to think you just can't do anything about, you know, who are, you know, uh, uh, more college educated than than ever before. I mean, we have we have young people that have I mean, we talk about all the the hurdles that have been in place for black people. We have more black people graduating high school. We have more black people that are college educated. We have more black people in professional careers than ever before. We have more black people in entrepreneur uh, businesses and start in startups than ever before. So we have black people are pushing. They are pushing and they are moving to be seen, to be heard, to be valued. So because of that, like you can't just ignore 40 million people in this country that are pushing all those all, all those boulders that I just mentioned to be seen and to be heard. It's just it's just not possible to continue to do that. But there's uh, it's I would say, you know, it, it's unfortunate because the, it is possible. You know, right right now. It's not now, possible for them all. Not for all the corporations. That's what I'm but saying. It's not possible think, for them all. You know, when we've often on our show have had the, the conversation about leadership. And when we've talked about leadership, we've talked about um, you know, America as a whole. We've talked a lot about our government and our systems and our structures. And very often corporations follow the lead of, you know, the, the leadership that's in our federal government. Yeah. And, you know, yep. when we come down to 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 systems, you know, that are created that either perpetuate these issues or don't um, help them. You know, when we see 
black people get ahead, things happen that, or systems are, are, are reestablished to, to hold us back. You know, yeah. a prime example is back in, you know, 2012 and that presidential election. The, the rate of voter turnout by black people was more than the rate of voter turnout than white people. And President Obama won again. Yeah. And then what did we see? The following year, the Supreme Court ruled in the Shelby County versus Holder case where, you know, we, they, they rescinded a, a major law, you know, um, that, that ended up suppressing our votes. That, that, gave, um, that gave Southern states, you know, that originally hindered Southern states from, you know, um, from r- r- making special rules in, in the voter process without G- DOJ's approval. Yeah. And then after they rescinded that, we started seeing, you know, a bunch of Southern states taking out mailboxes and doing all these things that affected the midterm elections, into, you know. And so, yeah, it's one thing where... Black people are making progress, yeah. but it's a whole nother thing when, you know, systems in our country systems and the way it. our country was constructed as a whole yeah. is meant to hold black people back. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of a lot of successful white individuals who haven't had to to relate or empathize with black with black people, you know, when they see a, a, a black person that is successful in a room that's typically a, a white male room or all white dominated room, they look at that person as, the, as an anomaly. Yeah. And in that case... Me. That's you. That's what, that's what happens to me. And in that that's case... That's what happens to me. You know, that's, that's not true. It's, that not, it's like, no, I'm not... Yeah, yes, I am sharp. Yes, I am exceptional. Yes, I am amazing. Right. But I'm not the only black person right. that's exceptional, exactly. smart, and amazing. Yep, yep. And that's yep. an unfortunate reality we have to deal with. That is absolutely what happens to me. I mean, it's happened to me so much in my career. It, happens, it still happens to me now. It's like I'm the exception. But, you know, uh, one of the things that I, I personally even struggle with is, you know, as, as I'm climbing, I don't see anybody else that looks like me. You know, I don't see anybody else that looks like me. So I'm always trying to, <laughs> I'm, in, I'm in a position where I'm here and I'm still trying to move up and I'm still trying to keep, you know, grabbing my piece of the pie and I'm still working hard. And then I'm and I'm trying to help somebody else at the same time that I'm trying to move <laughs> I'm like this, you know, like cl- climbing a ladder. And then I have somebody, you know, that I'm trying to help pull up too. But there aren't any there aren't any um, there aren't any places of assistance this way or this way. It's me trying to help the next person in the same position that I'm, that I'm in or so that we can kind of be side by side and work on this together and work, work up, you know, up this ladder together. But there, there isn't anything in place to help. I can't refer that person to somebody else or refer that person to this program or this place of assistance because I know how difficult it was for me to even, you know, climb through it and struggle through it because there was no help. There was me trying to be that help for myself. So, you know, it's, it's, it's not even just that it's hard to do it. It's you're trying to help somebody else when you're trying to change the system. You know, it's not just the, the struggle of, wow, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to climb and I want to get to the next level and I'm, I'm trying to make time for you too. It's at the same time that you're doing that, you're trying to break barriers and, and move the systems that are in place so that that equality 
it's not just for him or her that you're trying to help. It's for everybody that looks like us. And these companies are not, they're not, they're not seeing that. They're not seeing that quickly enough. And I'm hoping that from, from at least all of the press and all the media attention on what diversity and inclusion should be, that some of these companies, like you said, there's a lot of follow the leader happening. I'm hoping that more of these companies that are really prominent in this country start moving, you know, because it's, it needs to be disruptive. We have to disrupt these systems to make some change happen. It's, it's been too slow, slow progress. And then and on the note of disruption, it needs to be, it needs to be like a, a very comprehensive approach. It needs to be holistic. Yeah. Right? Like it isn't just, oh, it's an HR problem. Or, oh, it's a, it's a culture problem. Or, oh, we need to educate people. Like there's, it's, it's a multifaceted. It is. Um, you know, there needs, needs to be a multifaceted, be a multifaceted approach. approach. Yeah, exactly. To, to dismantling. And I mean, I don't know. I don't know many people other than you that that actually knows how to do this. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think that there are some. You know, I don't have any examples of any firms um, off the top of my head, but I know that there are um, businesses that have really been trying to figure this out. You know, they've really been trying to figure out the best way to help organizations um, get this right. And, and get this right meaning it's not just, you know, flavor of the month. We're just going to pay attention to it right now. There, I know companies are working to try to help organizations bake this in to their culture, like bake this in as a new way of doing business. Um, it's not something that's going to happen overnight, but that strategy needs to be in place. The first thing you have to do is you have to organize, you have to assess the problem. You have to really, there, there's no way that these leaders just know what the problem is because if they did, we wouldn't be here, right? Yeah. We wouldn't be in this state. So they have to, to take the time to do a deep assessment of the issue, of the systems that are in place, of how it's um, causing impediments for people, causing you know companies to, to be stagnant. And, and actually positioning themselves for a more inclusive culture. I would say a big part of that is having very uncomfortable conversations oh, with absolutely. employees and staff. Absolutely. How you, so how does how does one of these corporations actually get you know their staff members to open up? Well, it's just it's just like I said, like with it's like uh, um, you know when you do when I talk about doing a cyber risk assessment, one of the ways that you assess anything within an organization is you have to interview people and talk to people. And a lot of times, um, I I think that, you know, because I've done independent assessments, I feel like it's always easier. Well, not just, I feel like it. I know (laughs) it's always easier for, uh, employees to talk to someone who's not of the company. That's why I say having, just hiring a black chief diversity officer is just not going to do it. Yeah. I'm not saying that that's not a, you know, an approach. Hey, maybe, you know, with, with some more strategy funding and other things around that, that could, that could work, but that's not the way that you, I think you do that uh, initially, but coming into an organization as an independent party that is skilled, is qualified, can attest to what I've done in the past. I can get people to talk. I always do. You know, because it's like, I'm, I'm not a part of this organization. I'm going to use your in- information individually, but as part of the masses, you know, and helping people understand how their information is going to be used, helping people understand that they are, you know, have some anonymity in, in how they're, you know, uh, providing input. That helps people to talk. Having your manager 
or your leader that you know has perpetuated this problem. Now, like I said, I don't want to backtrack on my comments a couple of minutes ago when I said, yeah, the leaders need to be present and say, we're not going to continue to do things this way. That needs to happen, but they don't need to be the ones in the room saying, come in, I have an open door policy. Come and talk to me about race relations. Tell me about your problems. Really? No, absolutely. That, that, can't, that can't be the approach. They're having an independent party coming in there that has been hired to do good, to be helpful. Having that leader commit to um, making sure that the staff understand that your role is to do good for the organization. You got to make people, you got to make people understand that and feel that and buy into that. They will talk to you. They will talk to an independent party and talk about, you know, what life has been like for them in these jobs. It is important in this, in this world of diversity and inclusion, you have to give people a form to talk. You cannot just go into the organization, assess it, and not interview people and talk to people at all different levels and find out what their experiences have been. You know, what they and not don't just go talk to all the black people. You need to talk to everybody. What have their experiences been? Um, where do they think the strengths and weaknesses are in the organization? What would they like to see change? You know, they give them the form to do that, and that that. Um, uh, in addition to the policies and, and processes that they've had in place and some of the things that they've uh, instilled in that culture for some time, you couple all those things together, you're going to have a whole assessment party. Yeah. You're going to be able to understand where the problems are in that organization and really figure out um, steps to help that organization do better. And the thing is, when, when I talk about an assessment, I'm talking about you, you, you putting together that detailed framework that helps you know um, tease out all those issues but establishing a clear plan that leadership can commit to, that people understand. You show people that you are uh, preparing a path for things to be better, that you're baking into the culture and that you're making um, this, this huge organizational it's shift. It's like any other component of strategic planning, right? Like you, don't when... just, you don't just put the plan together and say, <laughs> we have a strategic plan. Yeah, that's not <laughs> and the way we it works. And we post it on the that's website the and go read it and know about it. That's not the way it works. You no. collaborate, you do breakout groups, you have team meetings, you get people's thoughts, people's inputs, you see what's working, what's not working. You think about you know, how you all have worked with other contractors, other vendors, other organizations. And that's how you set up the training that they need. So when you talked about race relations and where we've been, black people have been in this country, like, you know, I, I guarantee it's part of um, understanding where people have been within an organizational structure and what they, how they view race relations and the challenges that they've had and all that. You will uncover that need for training like that. And that's not even training. That's more awareness. Let me tell you what this looks like and actually give them that form and help them understand what that looks like, um, you know, for, for black people and for other people that have been impacted about uh, of all these uh, racial inequalities. And, and show them that and, and start, you know, defining what that training looks like and what that path looks like to, mm -hmm. you know, shifting that, you know, that it's like shift, making that big, huge cruise ship, uh, ship make a turn. You know how hard that is? It takes a minute. You got to like, you know, you got to like turn the wheel. Been to the... You know, I've been on a cruise. But anyway, <laughs> so, been to the, what's the, what's the, what's the captain of the kit, the, the, um, of the, the captain? I know on the plane, it's the cockpit. It's not the cockpit. Oh, I can't but, think of what it's called. Yeah, I've been in it. I mean, I've been on, I've been on um, several boats. It's not like, not, so it's not, not like a... No, like a it, takes, it takes a little while. Like when yeah. you have a huge ship, like a small ship. Like a ship, metro bus wheel? A, yeah. Or like, like, is like, it like a... If you think about that huge metro bus ones. wheel and how, 
it takes you know like i don't think i've ever seen a, a cruise ship do a yeah, u-turn you have to you have to turn you have to it takes a little bit to turn it you didn't watch the Titanic. so that's the same amount of no i've never seen the Titanic yeah. actually well, so that's the same the amount of effort that needs to be put into exactly steering your ship yeah your you're not going to just turn direction. it really quickly it's going to take a little while to make that full throttle turn but um showing people what that looks like you know i think that's the real that's the real piece of um shifting this thinking around diversity and inclusion and actually having a more inclusive culture it starts with assessing where your weaknesses are and finding out where the problem points are and making those changes and being committed to making those changes it's important to do it so. one of the challenges you know the i would say corporations have is changing human behavior yeah. right because a lot of it is driven by human behavior right. and so i mean there are a lot of psychological components to why racism persists why people act the way they do in the office yeah and why you know and how we've gotten to a place where there's so many um you know how we all have our own internal biases right. and stereotypes and so I, you know it's even it's even deeper than the assessments for me yeah well i, I want to say i just need to say this because i think people think that when we talk about diversity and inclusion um especially in in being diverse i think uh organizations might think they're going to have a goal of you know i'm i'm a fix people so they're not racist anymore you're not going to fix people so they're not racist anymore you might be able to change people's uh, perceptions. You might be able to change, uh, you might be able to uncover um, uh, bias in a number of different ways. There are some people that are racist, have been racist, generational, you know, it's just been there, passed down in their families. The goal is not to, to fix every perspective on racism. Mm -hmm. You know, I... And I, I know that that's what people, you know, in people's minds are like, I'm going to stop people from being racist. No more racist. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. As a leader, as someone who leads organizations, your job is to make people accountable for their behavior, for getting work done, for accomplishing the mission. That is your job. Your job is to move that organization um, towards whatever your bottom line is so that everybody invests in that mission and gets things done, right? So in order to do that, you can't make people nice. You can't make people good. You can't make people stop being racist. What you can do is you can hold them accountable yep. for their behavior. Hold them accountable for their behavior. So if they have been perpetuating you know, unfair hiring practices, if they've been holding people back from performance uh, bonuses and things like that, you uncover that and you hold them accountable for it and you tie that to their performance like you do anything else, you will see some behavioral changes. Y your job is not to get in people's heads and their minds and make them different. You want to give them the information so you can lead them yeah. to, into being different. But you, you, you don't know if you, you can't. You're not going to have a metric that says how many people. Let's see. I, I think I have 100 percent of people that are racist, that are white. So by the end of the year, I want that to be down 50 percent. Yeah, that is not realistic. You're it's, not going to be able not. to do that. That's not, that's not your goal. Don't be crazy. That, you can't focus that way. What you have to do is you have to give people the information that they need. You have to uncover. You know, when I talk about those assessments, you uncover what the problems are. You hold people accountable for uh, making decisions 
that are ob as objective as possible based on the information that you give them, based on the information you give them, based on the tools that you give them, based on your leadership commitment. But I mean, even even them. like on councils that I've councils that I've sat on that you know want to create more racial equity or you know leaders of different firms and partners of different firms that have come to me asking me about you know their responses to you know some of the social issues that are going on um or even people paying me to to help them come up with some of these these um systems changes what i found is people still even if in the back of your their mind just like i want to fix this issue or this issue needs to be changed it's still very difficult to get people to see the problem, to see how the problem is there, because it's so easy for, you know, leaders to come up with excuses, right? Like, we've heard recently, you know, someone say, a CEO say that there's not enough black talent. You know, I've heard, I've heard another partner in another firm, you know, and I mean, I've been in say, well, black people, you know, in terms of serving as a uh, like a mentor or a coach for like an entrepreneurship program you know black black leaders don't have enough don't have enough time or don't have as much time and things like that right so you know those unconscious biases you know that are in place still persist even if the leaders does acknowledge that the problem is there or hire someone to come fix the problem like data Data. They need the data. They need the facts. They need the stats. They need to see the data. So a lot of those, the CEOs that you're talking about and the leaders that you're talking about, they're just saying stuff. They're just saying stuff on based on their own perceptions, sometimes based on their own biases, sometimes based on a lack of information. They need the data. They need to actually see. So my response to that is, here's where you're wrong. Here. I'm not saying that they, they won't still try to excuse it away. But if you're saying that there's no black talent, how did I get where I am? I am not the only one. I am, I'm special, yeah, to me. <laughs> but I am not the only one. So, um, all, you know, when, these, when, when, when black people are making it and black people are achieving, it's, it's, yeah, we're special, we're wonderful, we're great. But it's not that that person is the only person that can do that. You know, they're, they're, you, it, it's, it's impossible to... to to think that only one person can do a certain thing when it comes to being able to achieve in business. You know, we see it all the time. We see products go to market. We see, we see new things created and then someone taking that and refining it and making it better yeah. and then it goes to market. It happens, that's, that's what evolution is. That's what life really looks like. So every CEO and every leader that makes statements like that, they need the data. And I promise you immediately after some of those remarks are made, especially when they hit the news, what do you think happens after that? They get the data. Someone says, oh, I'm, whew, shouldn't have said that. Here's some facts and figures <laughs> for you. I mean, it ha that's what happens. That's why they end up apologizing. That's why they end up retracting some of their statements. And that's why they end up saying, I didn't have enough information or based on what I saw. You know, based on what you saw doesn't mean that that's the reality. So yeah. they need the data. The data will show where there's black talent. The data will show how about all the people internal to some of those companies that have been wanting to get ahead. If you understand what your systems are in place, you might know, you might figure out why some of the talent that you have 
inside your organization hasn't been able to achieve and hasn't been able to to be and in those yeah exactly exactly so it's they need the data they need the information and i think you know when we when we think about the conversations that are happening in, in boards and in, in this you know ceo and c-suite level boards where you have the cfo and the uh, cio and all and heads of hr and all these different um uh, divisional and organizational leads when they're talking about their board you know when they're having their board discussions they're not always talking about diversity at all you know some, I'm saying they're not always some some companies might you know touch on it because they have the chief diversity officer you know some of the companies that have you know that person they might be bringing up um, diversity issues but the companies that don't have or haven't included um, you know diversity and inclusion as part of their culture and how they work they're not even talking about it at the C-suite level at all. So if they're not talking about it, when are they getting the data? They're not getting the data. Yeah, and that's that's disturbing, right? Because if you're not talking about the C-suite level, how does how does any one of your staff members have the confidence to come speak to you about it or to address it? People know that when people know that you're not talking about that talking about it, they translate that to you don't care or you don't want to hear it, or you don't want to do, you're not concerned with that problem. So they suppress it and they don't talk about it at all. And then they continue to struggle to try to figure out how to get to the next level. So um, that's why a lot of times when people come to me, you know, especially people of color, black people um, come to me and they talk about, you know, the challenges they've had within a particular organization Mm -hmm. and getting ahead and, and, and moving up the corporate structure. It, once I understand the corporate structure for that company, I'm like, you said the place for you, yeah. Go. Like I'm, even, <laughs> I'm not even gonna, I'm not even gonna talk you through breaking barriers. I'm not yeah. even gonna talk you through trying to establish new programs. Let's find companies that actually support that and go there, because you know, otherwise, that's that's what I did. I mean, I had a time in my in my career. When, you know, I was the only black person at, at the table with, uh, you know, only only white men. And I was a decision making just like them. I had staff and I was leading people just like them. And I saw positions being created for each of them to be in the executive pool. And I'm sitting there like, I am working my ass off. I'm doing all kinds of stuff. What about me? Mm-hmm. Like what? And, you know, and then so I started asking those questions like, um, I don't know. What do I have to do? Like, I need, I need somebody to kind of help me with this path. Yeah. And they were like, you, you're not even at the same level as us. What do you mean? I'm in the same grade level as you. You thought I was, wh- wh- what did you think I was doing here? You thought I was just kind of showing up. I've always been at the same level as you. We've always been. It's like the thing that, that I realized is when it matters, that's when you're not equal. When it comes time for you to show up and get the job done and get the work done, then maybe you can sit mm-hmm. at the table. But when you're actually talking about equality in, in pay and in rights and in position, you know, sometimes that's when they're like, no, 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 no. And so when I realized that, I, I said, you know what, this is not the place for me. I'm going to go someplace else that might be a little bit more inclusive of, of me and my talents and what I bring to the table. And that's, that's how I've been able to navigate. I recognize what's happening around me. I call it out. I work through it. Um, but then I, I might realize that I, at the end of the day, I might be defeated. There's nobody else here pushing this but me. Yeah. So I may have to to fight that battle someplace else. But it's an important battle. So many, so many of us don't realize the the doors we're opening for those behind us. Yeah. 
You know, I, yeah. I recently watched a video where Tyler Perry talked about how he had this amazing brunch on his, his property down in Atlanta yeah. and how John Lewis was there and he was talking about how, you know, he purchased his property and whoever, the, the segregationist who was there, you know, kept suing him and, you know, uh, I guess John Lewis was a part of the group that um, was like the first black people in this diner on this property, right? And how they bonded over that. And, you know, you know Tyler Perry said how amazing it was to, to be in the same room, you know, and to have a friendship with John Lewis, this guy who, you know, was one of the direct reasons he was able to buy this property so much longer. And, you know, as individuals such as ourselves, you know, walk into rooms and break down barriers and, and to be quite frank, work our asses off to, to not only excel, but to show how excellent black people are. We're creating so many doors for not only the people that surround us and, and our peers and our colleagues, but so many young people that are going to come after us. And so yep. I had a conversation with, with um, uh, a C-suite executive the other day at, at a global investment firm. And, uh, you know, I was just thanking him. He was like, oh, you're too, you're too nice. You're, you, keep, you're so, you keep giving this old man so many compliments. And I was like, you know, it's important, you know, because there aren't many of you. There aren't, not, not only are there not many uh, black men and women in positions like you that are paving the way and, and excelling, but there also aren't many um, of black men and women like you that are also reaching back. Right, you know, to, right. to help as well. And so yeah. that was, it's, it's always very important for me to uh, provide the, the affirmations that I feel, yeah. you know, our people deserve and, re, and, and yeah. have earned, yeah. you know, not only what, with what they're currently doing in their positions, but what they have been doing for the decades that have led up to them being in their positions right. from, you know, from an educational standpoint, from, you know, very often, you know, suppressing our voices, you know, on 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 racism and you know stereotypes that and microaggressions that we that we deal with on a regular basis, like it it's hard to suppress your voice it's every single hard. time because it happens so regularly. Yeah. Right. And all of those, um, all of those barriers that we overcome on a regular basis, you know, it, it paves the way, and. You know, like I've said throughout this entire show that it's been 30, about almost really about 30 years of black people being free. And I would say even less than that when we look at the entire country. Yeah. And if this is what we've done in 30, 40 years, I see why white people are scared. Yep. Yep. We are amazing and beautifully made. <laughs> so. a, I mean, because really for us to be able to 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 progress and to 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 be in top positions like the gentleman that you mentioned i mean it's amazing that we've been able to overcome but there's still so much more to do there's still so much more that we need to to do and accomplish but we need the support of these organizations to do it yeah we we absolutely do that's why it, may, it makes me proud to see so many races out there protesting and trying to make a change and and black people just not going about this alone we need we need the investments of these ceos and these leaders to to invoke change we absolutely need it it's it's a collective issue it really is um and we can't be the ones that are you know 
to have our sledgehammer hitting down that wall alone. No, we shouldn't be the ones driving the change. I mean, we are we are impacted by it, but we need the support of others to 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 really turn that ship. Yeah. We absolutely do. So, um, yeah, this is it's important for organizations to get it right. So, I, you know, um, I know we're probably wrapping up on our time, but but one of the things that I, I just want to to say to any organization that's out there wanting to get this right invest in an organization that's done it invest in people that can help you do it don't just throw money at the problem and hire black people and increase your black numbers it's not that simple deal with the problem tackle the problem get somebody in there that's done this before mm -hmm. get somebody in there with solid credentials that can help you do this and do this right yeah. and take take the time and be thoughtful in it you know this is not don't don't rush this through this is this is something that needs time investment and money so if someone wanted to hire win to do this and help them win in the framework of diversity and inclusion where would they find where would they find out about kmiddleton at thinkwin.org email me thinkwin.org is the Think website org. lovely all right. On that note, we are done. Another episode in the can talking about black excellence, talking yes. about diversity and inclusion. This is a great topic. It Thank was. you. Thanks, babe. This is great. This is great. <laughs>